Hi everyone, I'm Tara Mont, and you're listening to the Trust and Thrive with Tara Mont podcast, where you can find a new episode released every Thrive Thursday. I am a current clinical psychology graduate student, passionate about all things to do with mental health, relationships, healing, self-reflection, and other topics that influence us in our everyday lives. I created this podcast to hopefully inspire others to live their most authentic life and to share insightful and honest conversations with everyday individuals and informed professionals. Although the show is not a replacement for therapy, I hope the conversations had can inspire you to look within, to practice self-compassion, to gain more awareness, and to trust the process of your unique journey. If you resonate with the message of Trust and Thrive, make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. You can also stay connected by following me on Instagram at Trust and Thrive. Thank you for being here. Now let's get right into this week's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Trust and Thrive. I just wanted to first thank you all for being so patient Last month in January, when I took a month off of the show, if you've listened to the episode, you know the whole update, the situation, everything that went on and why I decided to have January be a reset month for the show. But in general, I'm happy to be back. I know we posted an episode last week. We're back this week and there's so much more to come. So I just want to thank you for being here and for just being so understanding and supportive. And so before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you that you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Trust and Thrive. You can also leave a rating and review of the show on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. It would really mean a lot and it really helps people find the show. So thank you in advance. And as we lead into Valentine's Day, whether or not you're celebrating with someone else or with yourself, we all have different relationships in our lives even if they're not romantic, and all our relationships are affected by our own patterns and our own belief system, our own behaviors. And so that's another reason why I believe self-awareness and continuously reflecting on who we are, why we think the way we do, and just practicing self-awareness in different ways is so important because no matter what, we all have a relationship with ourselves and with others. Even if it's not one partner, multiple partners, a romantic relationship, we all experience communication mishaps and conflict and normal feelings that come up in any relationship. That being said, this episode touches on different types of relationships, familial relationships, romantic relationships, healing from childhood wounds, and healing from abusive toxic relationships. And once again, the show is not a replacement for therapy. This is just a space to spark conversation. Hopefully the show and some episodes can inspire you to reach out to others, to learn more, to do the work outside of just social media and the podcast. So to introduce this week's guest, her name is Johanna Montenegro. Johanna is a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with women who have experienced relational trauma from childhood wounding partners of sex addicts, partner betrayal trauma, narcissistic abuse, sexual abuse recovery, and toxic relationships. She owns a solo therapy private practice in the Texas Hill Country and has recently opened up a yoga and mental wellness studio, both to address trauma, healing, and growth from a holistic mind-body approach. You can learn more about Johanna's work on her Instagram at 
whole life healing underscore. And her website is in the link in her bio on Instagram. And I will also include this information in the description of this episode as always. And I hope you enjoy. Let's get right into it with Johanna. Hi, Johanna. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Can you just start off telling us about yourself, what you do, um, what you focus on in your work? Yeah. Uh, My name is Johanna Montenegro. I'm a licensed professional counselor um, here in San Antonio, Texas. And I specialize in working with women who are uh, just navigating relational trauma, things that have happened in their either childhood or in relationships um, that they are navigating. And I take a holistic approach to therapy as I'm working with trauma, work with the body as well. Uh, So I like to incorporate things like mindfulness and breathing. I do EMDR therapy with my clients. So they get a whole cozy little um, session also and space also while they're working through some really, really hard stuff. Amazing. Well, I know you mentioned relational trauma. Can you define what that is for someone who's never heard of that? Yeah. So I define relational trauma as a hurts and wounds that happen within any type of relationship, any relationship dynamic um, where there's abuse or neglect or any of any kind um, that presents itself within that relationship. And I know from looking at your page, you do a lot of connecting between childhood trauma and wounds and adult relationships. So can you talk about in general how those connect for someone who may say, you know, I don't remember my childhood or it was fine. And then they maybe have certain triggers in their relationship that come up. So is that something you see often? Yeah, it is actually. Um, There are those very obvious, very um, probably more well-known abuses, neglects that happen within a relationship. And sometimes, you know, when it starts in childhood, uh, someone can point out very clearly, hey, yeah, these are the things that happened when I was a kid. And they can pretty quickly and pretty easily get to the, you know, point of realizing how those things are playing a part in their maybe romantic relationships. But when there are individuals who aren't really like they have blocks of memories that they don't, they just have completely blocked out. They don't remember parts of their childhood um, or they've had a pretty, what they would consider normal childhood. Um, That is where a lot of digging and a lot of um, navigating starts to happen in conversation with clients. When I start to maybe peel back dynamics between their parents or them and their parents, they started to realize, oh, maybe, maybe I wasn't physically hurt or maybe I wasn't um, yelled at or um, there wasn't, you know, aggressive behavior, but maybe the way mom came across was manipulative or maybe there was gaslighting that happened and people start to realize, oh, those, that is a form of abuse. And so they start to link how those dynamics in childhood can later present themselves in um, relationships 
Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think there is that misconception around trauma that it's like has to be one big event or there's this whole concept of comparative suffering where personally as a child of immigrants, I think, oh, well, what I've been through is nothing compared to what my parents have been through or they've seen so much worse or I should be thankful. Um, I shouldn't, you know, I think there's also the very black and white extreme of like my childhood was so great or I don't want to acknowledge the bad stuff because then it makes it seem like I'm not thankful or appreciative. So do you see that often with your clients that maybe there is that guilt and shame that comes with not wanting to acknowledge stuff that you may have to deal with because maybe you'll realize that it wasn't as great as you expected and that can bring up a lot of that fear too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the not wanting to blame their parents comes up a lot, especially if they had all their needs provided, um, parents were present, or if parents had it worse, like you mentioned. Um, I've definitely seen where clients have a hard time getting to the place where they can acknowledge that, yes, my parents did hurt me in this way, but then also something we work on too is having compassion towards that as well is that you know our none of us escape childhood without some kind of hurt or wounding or something that we have to work through later on in life so there are no perfect parents and sometimes our parents don't know that what they did was wrong or hurtful. And so we may not always get an apology from them. And there may be times where we can go back and confront our parents and say, Hey, like this really hurt me and caused these kinds of thinkings, these kinds of behaviors and patterns for me. And there can be real restoration that happens there too. Not everyone has that ability to do that with their parents. Uh, Some do, some don't. And when there isn't, Uh, where I see a lot of my clients and eventually get to is this compassionate place of, yes, my parents were human and they only knew what they knew because of what they were handed, what they were shown, what they were taught, but also giving responsibility back to that parent and not owning their mistakes as if it were their own. That's so beautifully said. And I feel like that's so true because, you know, they're comparing to maybe their parents. And so they think, oh, I did so much better or I tried to or I worked with what I had. And the same way that a lot of people are trying to maybe break certain generational cycles. And at the same time, we're if you want to be a parent, you may not you're not going to be a perfect parent either. That doesn't exist. So talk to some relationship therapists and psychologists about this idea of if you have maybe some wounds that are unhealed, I mean, um, in your parents' relationship or in your family dynamics, you may repeat those patterns in your, say, romantic relationships or even friendships. Is that something you see often where maybe an example of, oh, I couldn't fix or change my parents or my loved ones, so I'm going to almost have a similar dynamic with my partner and see if I can fix it or I just repeat it because it's comfortable? Do you see people often step into dynamics that are familiar, even if it is abusive, even if it isn't good for you? Like, Do you think that's how a lot of humans work in that sense? Yeah, I, I do see that a lot um, where it, it's easier to 
live in dysfunction sometimes because we know it, we know how to navigate it. Um, but when we're learning how to break those generational patterns, it can, it can also be like a grieving process, right? Because it's hard to let go of something that we've known for so long. So when we're choosing to switch, to change things, to set boundaries and to not accept abusive behavior, that can be really hard for someone. And it can feel like they're grieving because they're losing something that they knew. They're losing someone potentially uh, that has been in their life for a long time. And so the the healing journey and the, the, that process is never, it's not smooth, <laughs> unfortunately. It's a little bumpy, um, but the goal is always to arrive at a place. And I say arrive, not like there's this destination we're trying to get to, but this place of choosing ourselves authentically, wholly, um, and learning to set those boundaries for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm glad you brought up boundaries because at least for me, that was like, I never, I didn't understand the concept boundaries because my family was enmeshed and obviously depending on your family, your culture, boundaries look different. And so um, how important do you believe boundaries are first of all? And what are, what advice would you give to someone who is in a dynamic where they're just shamed and, you know, called selfish they're called mean, they like people around them don't understand boundaries and they're trying to be the first to set them. Um, but they're just experiencing all that pushback. What advice would you give to them? Yeah. Boundaries are, they're so important. They are, we set boundaries for every aspect of our, our, of our life, not just, you know, relationships. We set boundaries with when we're going to sleep, when we're going to wake up, when we're going to eat, when we're not going to eat, when we're uh, going to spend time with friends, family, uh, what we're going to spend our time doing. So first I would say making sure that you are setting boundaries within yourself that you feel good about because it starts with us. Um, and then it gets a little bit easier when we're trying to set boundaries with other people, because when we're sure of what our needs are and what we uh, need to live, you know, authentically and be at peace within ourselves, it's a little, it, it gets easier to tell other people no or yes, right? Because either are a choice, both are types of boundaries um, because we're choosing whether we're, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. Uh, when you're being shamed for your boundaries or and for setting them, just remembering that it's never about you. It's always about that other person um, not wanting you to set those boundaries because they're getting something out of you not having them. So when that is pushed, when they're um, faced with you not having that boundary, then they're going, there's going to be pushback. Uh, they'll get upset. They'll tell you, like you said, you're mean, uh, you're selfish. You only think about yourself. And there is a difference. It, we, we have to remember that um, when we are choosing to do things for other people, it's out of a place of abundance. It's out of a place of 
an overflow, not out of scarcity and not out of this need to um, be accepted or to, you know, uh, maybe codependency, right? That when we're choosing to extend anything, any of our resources, emotionally, our energy, our uh, financial resources, right? That it's out of a place of abundance and that we want to. Um, so that's how I like to explain boundaries a little bit to people. Is mm-hmm. that if you feel like you're giving out of just an overflow, then that's okay. Yeah. And you said that so, so well. And I think that does connect to the idea of grief, because like you said, some relationships maybe worked before you set boundaries. And maybe you realize that once you do, once you start speaking up for yourself or your beliefs change, that may not work. And that's okay, too. So how common do you think it is or for someone in general who is like going through this process of unlearning, relearning, of healing, they may lose some relationships and that's normal. And do you think it can feel really lonely? Because I think there's a misconception that like, you know, it's all glamorous and growing's amazing, but it can have that sense of loneliness if you're like the one, you know, the black sheep out of the family or in that dynamic. So what's your personal experience and just what you've seen about kind of going through this journey and that may be normal having all these different feelings. Yeah, it, it definitely can feel very lonely um, for anyone trying to change unhealthy patterns, right? Uh, re- when they're removing themselves from either people or places or situations um, or behaviors that would leave them feeling empty or feeling um, just not true to who they are, right? People tend to, when, when we start to set boundaries, when we start to set limits with, within our, you know, with ourselves, but then with other people, um, it can feel isolating at times. Um, and what I would say to that is to make sure that you are one, taking care of yourself, right? Practicing self-care um, in the way that you see fit, because self-care looks different for everybody. Um, and then allowing yourself to be in spaces or relationships with friends or people who um, are okay with set, like you setting those limits, right? It, it is a little bit easier to navigate that when you have someone else to talk. So maybe that means going to therapy. If you have a healthy person in your life, um, finding a support group, there are lots of groups online that you can join. There are local groups, you can join a book study or like a book club, right? There are so many different creative things to do um, to reintegrate into community to where you get to pick and choose who gets to be close and who doesn't. I really like that. And, you know, I think for many people who have been on this journey, they've had to you know, they've had their own realizations in certain ways. And then for some people, 
they may still be in that environment and not know any different. It's so, you know, it, once you're in something, it's so easy to be normalized and think, oh, well, this is what a relationship look like, looks like, what I've seen, or this is what families, how they talk, this is how conflict is handled. How do you think for someone who is just still in that environment, whether they live there or they're just used to that dynamic, how can they start to explore what maybe a healthy relationship looks like, how to handle conflict differently if they only have a specific view that they know? Like, how can they start to look out and get some other ideas of like, is this healthy or not? I know for personally, having had been in a dynamic with an individual who there was just a lot of toxic dynamics going on in that, in that relationship. And so I had to step outside of what was going on and I found a lot of insight, a lot of um, help through therapy. I left to go see a counselor myself and really talk through like, what is normal? What's not normal? How do these interactions make me feel? Does it feel good? Does it not feel good? Does it feel... I can be manipulated or gaslit. Um, And then also taking the initiative to read and listen to podcasts and um, get educated on those things that you're having. Maybe you might have a feeling that maybe this isn't okay. Let me pick up a book or listen to a book or listen to a podcast and really feed your soul with good information so that you can start to make better decisions about what kind of dynamic you're in and whether you want to stay in it or not and how to mm-hmm. at some point, you know, remove yourself from that kind of situation. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's great advice. There's so many other ways, especially for people who maybe don't have the privilege to go to therapy right away. I'm kind of exploring and, you know, I can imagine, I know for me, it, you it's easy to be in denial when you don't want to think, oh, that was different than what I thought, or this was different than what I expected, or I had a, say, different experience than my brother, even though we were in the same situation. Um, So do you see that often that, for example, for trauma, I think there's also that misconception that, you know, if you didn't experience that and you were in the same situation, it can't be real. Like everyone can have their own feelings, their own experience, even if it's the same exact situation, that there's no one way people see it. Trauma looks different for everyone. Yeah. Trauma is, um, it's felt it's what happens inside of us. And we all have a different, um, experience to the things that we are exposed to, or the way that we are raised, um, or relationships that we're in. Right. And so where one person may have a completely different experience than another person and they're in the same household that doesn't mean that the trauma is invalid and it doesn't mean that it didn't happen they just had a different experience than you because we're all different definitely and do you see that too with gender roles for example um like obviously every culture is different but i know you you talk about working with women and you know, I think as a society, we often silence women in many ways, especially women of color about, you know, your experiences aren't real or you're being dramatic or, you know, they're being gaslit all the time. Like, 
How do you think even those gender roles, whether it's in a family dynamic or in society, affect the ways that we trust ourselves? And we think like, maybe I'm maybe I'm being dramatic or maybe my experiences aren't real. I should be thankful, whatever that looks like. Yeah, oh, I hear that all the time <laughs> uh, from women. They work specifically with women of that they're, they have a certain role and they have to play that role. And that role is usually to um, do what they are told or to um, not make a fuss, don't stir the pot, uh, not to speak up. And culturally, I, I work more with um, Latinx women and even in the culture, there is a lot of um, having to be submissive, quiet. You have your place and your place is here, not here. You don't get to um, speak up for yourself. You don't get to make decisions. You have to be the homemaker, right? These, and it, and it can leave someone in a place where they just feel defeated and they don't feel like their voice matters and they don't feel like their choice matters. And that can, that also can feel like a really lonely place, even though you have all these women who are experiencing the exact same thing, they, they feel like they can't reach out to anyone. Um, And so where there would be, I think, a lot of healing and, and strength that could happen in community, which I think is super, super important. Um, we can't heal by ourselves. We have to, healing happens. I, I believe, yes, therapy is great and have a friend, but healing happens in circles. And when we are with um, others who have either experienced the things we have experienced or who are going through the things who want real healing, who, who aren't there to just um, bad mouth and complain. And, you know, that really, really want to heal and grow and to break these patterns, a lot um, of healing can happen that way. That's beautiful. And I think too, with the healing process, you know, there are the ups and downs. It's not, you know, a linear process and say, for example, you do tell yourself, I don't want to be like this, or I'm going to set these boundaries, or I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. And then maybe we fall back into an old pattern and then we feel really terrible about it. Just what are your thoughts on self-compassion when it comes to the healing process? Because if we're unlearning like years and years of beliefs, depending on where you are in your life, it's not going to happen in one day in one therapy session. And, you know, it was boundaries is not going to be respected right away, possibly. So what are your thoughts on Um, being self-compassionate with yourself, being compassionate with yourself and practicing self-care, knowing that it's a lifelong journey and it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. Yeah. Breaking cycles doesn't mean that we're not hit or faced with difficulty or that we're not ever put in situations that resemble the toxicity that we're trying to escape or get out of or to change. What that looks like is recognizing when that is happening and then choosing to do something differently. So you could be in a conversation that maybe is escalating, that you're starting to notice there are things happening in this conversation that feel maybe abusive, maybe gaslighting, maybe feel manipulative. 
and choosing instead of maybe continuing going back and forth with that person trying to convince them that you're not crazy or that your feelings are valid choosing in that moment to i'm i'm not going to in, continue to engage i'm going to disengage and do something different so setting a boundary so that as an example um hey i'm going to step back this conversation is not productive and i want to talk about this with you but let's do it when we're both feeling um heard so it doesn't mean that situations aren't going to come up that you're not going to meet people that aren't toxic because we will always meet people who are uh, who don't have our best interest or who are um, toxic at, in nature just who haven't done their own work uh, what we choose to do with it is where the real growth and change happens Exactly. And I, I think especially if someone grows up in an emotional abusive household, depending on that, what that looks like, there can be those fears, whether you become avoidant or anxious. And you because I know I thought like, oh, it's either we don't talk at all, or it's super extreme. And I was like, oh, conflict, I don't have to break up with my partner when we have a normal conflict, because it's not the end of the world. And so what would you tell to someone who is working on reframing and like we said, breaking cycles and where can they start if they literally don't know like what they can do? Like if they don't know, where should I start? I know we talked about therapy. What do you think is a way they can start if they don't have therapy as an option? I mean, the internet is a wonderful thing, right? We got, there's some things that are on there that are not awesome. And there are some resources on there that are really great. It's okay to Google certain things sometimes, and it is okay to find groups, right? There are free support groups, either in communities, on social media, um, where you don't have to pay anything. Also looking within the circle that you already have, who are the people in your life already who you feel are safe, who you can communicate with who are have wisdom and who could maybe be allowed to speak into some of the areas of your life that you need a little bit more help with friends are free and if we have healthy friends right there's some some of us don't have you know a whole group of awesome healthy individuals that are in our life Um, but I'm sure that we could all find at least one person that whether it's at work, maybe it's a work friend. Um, maybe it is a internet friend like Instagram. I, it is amazing. The connections that we can make with other people. I have met individuals just on social media that we have connected over the years And I feel like I know them, but I've never met them, but I can tell like, you're a pretty cool person and you're, you seem healthy. Um, Not that you're going to expose all your stuff to them. Right. But Hey, I would love to meet in person. Would you like to get coffee? Right. That's how we learn how to build friendships. It's just one little step at a time. Um, And if we're able to be the friend that we want, right. To be uh, boundaried and and healthy and all that 
we start to attract those kinds of people too. Mm-hmm. It can be really scary, especially as adults, right? It's, it's yeah. a little bit harder to put ourselves out there. I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, I think I, that's such a great point too, because even though we may have friends growing up, they may believe what we've believed before. They say, for example, you're in a emotionally abusive or toxic relationship. They may say, oh, they're nice to me. I don't know. Like I can't tell. And then they may kind of be re- reinforcing certain beliefs that you're working on breaking. And so I really love the idea of, you know, finding even a support group because that's super validating when maybe you don't get that in other areas of your life. And so in general, I know you talk about holistic healing and therapy. Can you talk about what that looks like and entails for someone who may be interested? um, What does that look like in general? Yeah. So the the approach I take um, in therapy with my clients is uh, mind-body connection. So holistic. Trauma isn't something that just happens in our mind, right? It's something that we feel and that our body experiences. And oftentimes these um, these feelings, these uh, emotions, senses, um, thoughts, smells, right? Like all these things get pulled up and stuck when we have had an experience that is traumatic. Um, and so really like to focus uh, with my clients as we, you know, we, there's verbal processing that happen, that happens, but also what is going on inside of your body when you're talking about this experience, when you're bringing up this memory. And so we do a lot of mindfulness work, a lot of breathing, a lot of noticing what is happening in our body. What does it feel like? Where is it happening? I mean, we can get as detailed as you know, what's the shape, what's the color, really getting in touch with what is going on with our body. Because when we have a traumatic experience, we can become disconnected to our body and what is going on. Um, So a lot of what we do is just getting back into our bodies that then we learn how to build trust within ourselves and safety within ourselves which is something that a lot of the times that is taken away from us, or we have had to shut that down. Uh, So when we take it in again, right. And and look within what, how is my physical body responding to these phrases or this, uh, these sights or these sounds or these smells, um, it, it gives us a whole picture and we're able to address the trauma in a much more well-rounded holistic way. That's amazing. And I I really like that approach because I think that also connects to how trauma is in the body because we may say, oh, I don't think about it or it's fine with me, but then we shut down or we have a panic attack or something triggers us and our body will show us even if we don't think so. And so I think that's an incredible approach. And I appreciate you mentioning that for anyone who may be interested. And so we talked about trusting yourself and this whole show is about being authentic and trusting yourself, which can be difficult if you've been through trauma or, you know, you've been taught not to trust yourself. You've been gaslit. You don't even know who your authentic self is. And of course, that looks different for everyone. But what would you see as living your most authentic life? And what advice would you give to someone who is trying to reconnect with their truest self and they don't really know what that looks like? So for me, living that authentic life is living at peace 
And being at peace doesn't necessarily mean that things are awesome all the time, that things are calm, that all relationships are going to be wonderful and no conflict. Peace happens despite all of those things, right? And it, when we are able to reach a peaceful place within ourselves, um, we've usually done the work of figuring out and in that process, right? That journey of learning what uh, boundaries do I need to set for myself? What does self-compassion look like? What does self-care look like? What does saying no to toxic individuals look like? And setting parameters around our heart and our mind and our energy and our space so that even when those disturbances come in, because they will, they will try to come in, um, we can meet it with a peaceful disposition and not feel like you're having to to fight and combat and, and always battle these things that even if, and even when I am still at peace within myself. That's so beautifully said. And I, I really like that. Um, so lastly, if you were to look back at young Johanna and before all of her relationships, before your experience, education, all of that, what would you tell to your younger self and to someone maybe in a similar situation? Yeah, I would tell her that she is stronger than others might think. Trust your gut and don't take crap. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, Well, thank you so much for being here. And I'm sure listeners will want to know where to follow you, want more information on the work you do. So is there anything you'd like to share that's coming up for you and your work? And where can listeners give you a follow? Yeah, so um, I am uh, active on social media. I like to hang out on Instagram. Um, I'm at whole life healing underscore. And I've also um, recently opened up a mental wellness studio out here in the Texas Hill country. And so where uh, I'm super excited, it is a yoga studio meets mental wellness. And so um, the whole, my hope and my heart with this studio is to allow more healing and growth and community to happen for people who are experiencing um, maybe feeling alone in their healing journey and in their uh, in their process. Because sometimes, because a lot of the times this healing journey is very isolating and it's lonely. Don't know where to go and who to connect with. And so my heart is to create the space where others can come in, meet other people who are wanting to grow, um, to heal, and then also have a trauma-informed space where you can move and work out physically your trauma um, or your hurts and your pains and, and all those things uh, in a space that can hold it for you. Well, congratulations. That's incredible. (laughs) I love the combination of that. I think that's so cool. And I appreciate you doing the work you do and helping end the stigma because it is something so important that 
maybe 10 years ago, we wouldn't have a studio like that. So thank you so much for being here. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Johanna. Once again, you can follow her on Instagram at whole life healing underscore. And you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at trust and thrive. As always, I will include that information in the show notes of this episode. And if you have any questions about topics we've discussed, are interested in learning more or would like follow up episode, whatever it is, please feel free to reach out on Instagram, especially, or my email, which I'll also include the show notes, and let me know. I'd love to know what resonated with you and what you want to hear more of. And so whether or not you are single and living life, or you have a partner, you're living life, or you have partners, you celebrate with your family or alone, or you're working, whatever it may be, I hope you know you are not alone. And especially on this journey of breaking cycles and recognizing our patterns, it takes courage. It takes so much courage to recognize patterns that we may be so used to, that we may have grown up with, that we may have normalized and question them and challenge them, especially in a family dynamic, in a group dynamic where you're the one person or you're one of the only people maybe questioning a certain pattern or behavior or belief. Props to you because that takes so much courage and it's so hard to do, but it's so worth it. So I'm sending you all love thinking of you all this week and we will be back with a new episode next thrive thursday 